Father, we thank you tonight for an opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We pray that tonight you will breathe upon your scriptures. I pray that may you illuminate our understanding. Holy Spirit, speak through me as I minister your word to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 8. And let's move on to part two of our series on what is Jesus doing right now? I've really been praying and been asking the Lord, how do you want me to go? Especially in this direction. Amen. Hebrews Are we all there? Chapter 8, verse 1. up to verse 5. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. I hope you do remember we read this scripture two weeks ago. We have such a high priest. So do you remember that the first time we read this scripture, I told you to tuck the word high priest under your sleeve? We will come to it. So today we are going to come to it. Amen. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesties in the heaven, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But now Christ does he has obtained a more excellent sacrifice ministry, I'm sorry, inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Now, if we read verses 7 to verse 13, the author of Hebrews now goes ahead to talk about why the second covenant or the new covenant is better than the first one. Amen. But that will not be our emphasis tonight. So right here, there's one thing I want us to know from the jump. Jesus serves as 
a high priest. Jesus serves as a high priest, so it's very important to know that. So, presently, Jesus is not just Lord. All right? He's seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesties in the heavens. That's his Lord. Why? Because he is God. He shares in the attributes of God. He's the second person of the Trinity. And he is God. These are very important things to know. He, he is God with great power, great authority, great majesty. And what, what sets him above is his name. That's the first thing we have to know. So Jesus is Lord. The second thing that I want us to know what Jesus is doing right now is he is serving as a high priest. Amen. So now let's go into into the scripture tonight. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one who also have something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. Amen. So, before that, it goes ahead to describe why Jesus is a high priest. He's a high priest because he's a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected and not man. You have to understand the audience that the author was writing this book to. The author was writing this book to Jewish believers. You know, sometimes when I put myself in the Jewish people, it, it must be very tough uh, living Judaism to be a Christian. Because you have so much unlearning to do. You know, to a Jewish man, when he hears tabernacle, he's thinking of Moses. The author of the book of Hebrews is telling them that now when you hear the word tabernacle or sanctuary, don't think of Moses. Think of the Lord. Amen. So, what, what, you know, and, and a, a high priest during those days was a minister of the sanctuary or the tabernacle. That was his job. He was supposed to be a minister. It's full time. Now, the, the author of the book of Hebrews is letting us know that Jesus now serves in that capacity. He is a minister of the sanctuary. And what's the sanctuary today? The sanctuary a building? Is the sanctuary a tent? The sanctuary is us, the body of Christ. He's talking about us. So Jesus is now the minister over all of us. That's why he's the bishop of our souls. Amen. And now, uh, um, the, the, the author of the book of Hebrews goes on to explain that every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. It was part of their service. So for us to understand this a bit more, I, I want us to read Hebrews chapter 5. And Hebrews chapter 7. I want to learn somewhere tonight, so just follow me. Hebrews chapter 5 and Hebrews chapter 7.
So Hebrews chapter 5, I want to start from verse 1. Verse one. And I'll, I'll, I'll stop at verse 6. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God. So why was a high priest needed? Right here in this scripture, the Bible lets us know that a high priest was needed for men. He is appointed from among men for men. So, a high priest is for the benefit of man. Why? In that context, let's read on. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So, this is why the high priest was of benefits to mankind under the old covenant. So, a high priest was, or let me even use this word, is not a burden. A high priest is for the benefit of man because he offers to God gifts and sacrifices for sins. So that's why that's the importance. So, right, everyone, you read this, you even see the heart of God here. Amen. God instituted the high priest to come into play. Because he wanted man to benefit. And how was man going to benefit? Through the high priest becoming a mediator by offering gifts and sacrifices for their sins. Let's read on. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices for sins. Do you get the idea why Jesus had to become a man? He had to become a man so that the Bible says that now if you go back to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14, I think we read this scripture somewhere this year. The Bible says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot be Touch with the feelings of our infirmities. Christ can be touched because he had the experience of man. And there was a reason why a high priest didn't have to be a deity or a divine being. Had to be a man because the Bible lets us know that he will be able to execute his task and his role with compassion. And Christ who is also a high priest, has this level of compassion for us because he walked as a man. And Hebrews chapter 5 is written on the heels of chapter 4. So the author of the book of Hebrews admonishes us that since Christ is a man who is also a high priest, who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, we should come to the throne of grace boldly that we may obtain grace and find mercy in time of need. Then now it goes on to chapter 5. That for every high priest taken from among men is appointed for man in things pertaining to God, that he may offer to God gifts 
and sacrifices on behalf of man. And whilst doing this job, he's also able to have compassion. Why? Because he himself is a man. And that's why last two weeks, like one of the contributors said, that that the theology of the hypostatic union is very important when we are talking about Christ. He was 100% man, yet 100% God. He was 100% man because he had to walk in the experience of man, offer himself as a sacrifice, yet he was also 100% God. He walked in the divinity of his father, coming to show to us who God truly is. And that's why Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 talks to us about Jesus being the express image of the father and the brightness of his glory. He's God. Amen. So, the Bible lets us know that he has compassion on those who are ignorant and who go astray because he also is subject to weakness. Now, that was an earthly high priest. You see, Jesus is not subject to weakness. Jesus can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but sin, weakness, frailty cannot have hold of his human shell. Amen. Because of this, he is required for the people, so also for himself, to offer sacrifices. And verse 4, No man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron, I know some people say Aaron, as Aaron, was so jesus became a high priest not by self-proclamation he's not a self-styled self-appointed nobody takes this honor upon himself just like aaron also was not self-styled or self-appointed jesus wasn't Now, verse 5, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. So, it's God. It's God that appointed and glorified Christ to stand in the position of a high priest. And he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, when you read the book of Psalms, chapter 110, verse 4, David was also a prophet. He he prophetically talked about Jesus coming as a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. He He played tribute to Jesus in a song and prophetically declared that that Jesus, the Redeemer who is going to come one day, he is going to be a priest. But this is different. His priest is not going to be on terms. He's going to be a priest forever, according to the order of 
Melchizedek. Amen. So now let's go back to Hebrews chapter 8. Do you understand this so far? Because I'm like, Lord, this can be a lot. Do you understand it? Give me, give me thumbs up so that I can continue. If you don't understand it, just let me know. I'll pause and then you can ask questions. So only one thumbs up. So the rest don't understand. Okay. Okay, great. All right. So now back to Hebrews chapter 8 again. Let's read it again. Now, this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Verse 3. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So now, do we understand the term of why a priest has to offer both gifts and sacrifices? Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. So this high priest, what made him different from priests of his day was that he had something better, better to offer than just sacrifices of goats, bullocks, and the like. He came to offer his body, which was better. For if you were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle, for he said, now, um, the, 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 the writer of this book is quoting God. See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Right? So, this whole priesthood thing that we are talking about today, is a heavenly thing. It's not a product of the law. We just read it right here. It is a shadow of heavenly things. So I believe that period when Moses spent 40 days at the cliff of Mount Sinai, I believe that God opened heaven to him and he saw how heaven is going to be like. And then God instructed Moses, replicate what you have seen here on this earth. So Jesus, let me submit to you that he did not become a high priest after his death, burial, and resurrection. He was already a high priest before the law, during the law, after the law. Can you get it? So before the law, Jesus was a high priest. During the law, he was a high priest. And after the law, which is today, now the New Testament, we are in currently, he is still a high priest. So 
everything the earthly shell of a high priest is a replica of what Moses saw in heaven. It was a shadow of heavenly things as described by God the Father to Moses that he should have a pattern of what he has been shown on the mountain. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a better covenant which is established on better promises. So every high priest is a mediator. And what's the meaning of the word mediator? Mediator comes from the word mediate. Okay? So when someone mediates, that means he is the middleman between two parties. That's what a high priest basically does. A high priest served as a mediator. He mediated between God and man. So when a high priest is offering sacrifice, it's a form of mediation between God and man. And Jesus became a mediator by being a sacrifice, by being a sacrifice, he himself being a sacrifice. He didn't just offer sacrifices. He himself became a sacrifice between God and man. And there's a reason why the Bible says that his covenant is now a better covenant with better promises. And if we should read Hebrews chapter 7, like I said, from verses 7 to 13, it goes on to explain to us why the covenant is called a better covenant and it's established on better promises. Amen. Let me stop here for now. Who has any questions? If not, I'll continue. I want to give this in little pies. All right. Pastor Robert, you can talk. Yeah, I have a question on the, um, the priesthood ministry of Jesus Christ before the law. I mean, before his death and resurrection. Um, can you please um, enlighten that um, portion of his ministry from his um, priestly ministry for me? Okay. Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, what's the meaning of this word Melchizedek? Melchizedek simply means king of righteousness. How many of you remember the series on that name? I think somewhere around this time last year, we were doing a series at Midweek Bible Study called That Name. And if you do remember, one of the redemptive names of God is the Lord, my righteousness. Who remembers the Hebrew name for that? Does anybody remember the Hebrew name for that? Jehovah Sidkenu. So, the word Melchizedek actually comes from the word Sedek. And that's where you get the word Sidkenu. Are you understanding me? So, for this Melchizedek, the king of righteousness, king of Salem. King of Salem here also means peace. So, for this king of righteousness, king of peace. Do you get it? Melchizedek means king of righteousness and then Selem means peace. So 
for this king of righteousness, king of priests, priest of the most high God who met Abraham. Do you, you see all the titles? So Melchizedek means king of righteousness. King of Selah means king of peace. So for this king of righteousness, this king of peace, the priest of the most high God who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Selah, meaning king of peace. So it's gone on to even explain it to us. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. Now, consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law that is from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promise. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Very funny. Yesterday, I had a preaching somewhere and so I was quoting the scripture that uh, a son can't bless a father because the scripture says that the lesser is blessed by the better. But when you read this scripture, when the Bible talks about the lesser is blessed by the better, it's not talking about father-son relationship. It's talking about dispensations. It's talking about old covenants, new covenants. It's not talking about father-son at all. Amen. Otherwise, David would have sinned. Can you imagine how many times David wrote, I will bless the Lord at all times. He would have sinned. That's sin right there. It's an abrogation of the scripture. Because if we are saying the lesser is blessed by the better, then it's the father that is supposed to bless the son. Then when we come to church, then Minister Lily has really led us to sin. Seriously. Because everything that we are doing is blessing the Lord. So when we say that the lesser is blessed by the better, it's not talking about human beings. It's talking about dispensations here. Dispensations. Old Testament, New Testament. Old Covenant, New Covenant. Amen. I don't know, but when I read this, I just remembered just yesterday. Here, a mortal man received tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. So right here, Apostle, the the, the said Apostle Paul. Um, we, well, we all don't know the certainty of who wrote this book. Amen. But when you look at this scripture carefully, this scripture is talking to us about Jesus, he was a priest before the law. And the Bible lets us know that he met Abraham. 
So for us to really understand this scripture, let's go to Genesis chapter 14. So if you read the first um, 11 verses, it talks about there was, you know, a fight uh, between the king of Sodom and Gomorrah and some kings. And at the end of it all, it led to Sodom and Gomorrah going into captivity because um, the opponents Sodom and Gomorrah were facing was a league of alliance of kings that had come together. So they ended up defeating Sodom and Gomorrah, took them into captivity. Abraham heard of it. And the reason why Abraham was concerned was because his nephew Lot was among the captives. So when you read your scriptures carefully, the Bible lets us know that Abraham took about 318 trained servants in his house who went to go and rescue Lot from the captives. Now, on Abraham's way coming back, he had a very interesting experience. In fact, in theology, this is what they normally call theophany. And what's theophany? Theophany simply means a human visible manifestation of God. You know, before Christ appeared in human form in Matthew to John, it is believed that he appeared in human form in the Old Testament. And this is one of the scriptures. So, you know, the, the doctrine of Theophany, which means the pre-Bethlehemite experience, because we have we established the fact that Jesus Christ became a human form when he was born in Bethlehem. But pre-Bethlehemite, that means before Bethlehem, some instances where he appeared is called Theophany. So now let's read from verse 18. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. So now, who, who can explain the meaning of Melchizedek? What's the meaning of the word Melchizedek? King of righteousness. King of righteousness. What's the meaning of the word king of Salem? Peace. Peace. So... The king of righteousness, the king of peace, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So, after this instance, Abraham met the king of Sodom. Okay, so I, the, the king of Sodom, in appreciation and gratitude, wanted to offer Abraham some gifts, and Abraham did not take those gifts. So, right here, these few verses, that's verse 18 to verse 20, we see the priesthood of Jesus right here. 
And what did Jesus do? Right here, we see that it is Jesus. Can we all, can we all um, uh, come to a conclusion that this is Jesus? King of righteousness, king of peace. Then when you go to the book of Hebrews chapter 7, they say he has no ending. He has no beginning. This is Jesus right here. It's a priest right here. There are three things that we see him do as a priest. He blessed. So when he met Abraham, the first thing he did was he blessed Abraham. Number two, he ministered to Abraham. Uh, Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 to 20. For those of you who don't know, Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 to 20. He blessed Abraham. Then he ministered to Abraham bread and wine. Many people have many, you know, different translations of the bread and wine, but I, I will not even want to touch it. There are some that want to say it's the communion. Uh, I, I will not want to deliberate on that one too much. Amen. But he gave him, he gave him bread and wine. And there must be a significance why that's in the Bible. He gave him bread and wine. Amen. So he ministered to him. He ministered to him. He refreshed them. Not just that, he blessed them. And then number three, he received a tithe of him. That's why now Hebrews chapter 7 now, it talks about the priesthood and links it with tithe. That is now why it links it with tithe here in Hebrews chapter 7. But that's all that he did. And Melchizedek is only mentioned, I think, twice or so in the Bible. He's mentioned here in Genesis chapter 14. And the next time we hear of the word Melchizedek is when David was prophesying that Jesus is going to come as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek forever. So everything that now we will see from Exodus, where the priesthood was instituted, it is a shadow of who Jesus was. So now, the short of it all, Pastor Robert, if you ask me to give you the priesthood of Jesus' ministry, I will say that we have to read Exodus. Because everything that Moses did, as you read in Hebrews chapter 8, it's a result. Wow, I can't believe it's 10 minutes to 8. Time is really fast spent. Everything that the, 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 priest, the priesthood of the earth, that's the, the Aaronic priesthood. Aaron was the first priest, right? So everything that he did is a result of Christ. It's a copy. It's a shadow. But the first time we see Christ acting as a high priest is in Genesis chapter 14. And three actions. He brought bread and wine to Abraham, ministered to him, refreshed him, blessed him, and then received tithe. Amen. So, Pastor, I hope I've answered your question. <laughs>
I had to do a lot of, you know, circles around. But I hope it's clear. Yes, thank you very much. Okay. So what do you understand? You say thank you very much. I want, what do you understand? Right. I mean, as soon as you mentioned Mekizelek, uh, it, it told me that, yeah, um, yeah, that was, the, that was Jesus Christ who appeared in the form of Melchizedek, and the Bible says that he performed the duty of the Levite, even though he was not in the family of the Levite, he wasn't in the family line of the Levite, and even Abraham paid a tenth of all to him. And so, yeah, it's, it's pointing to the fact that he was, in, and, and that's the scripture you read in Hebrews also said that, and his priesthood is forever, even after the order of Melchizedek. So, yeah, I, I, I got that from, from that explanation. Okay. All right. Amen. Okay. Who has any questions? Any contribution? was in scripture before he even landed on earth and I think it was really good um, timeline of it. Okay. Who else? Question, contribution? Okay, with a few minutes left, let's read Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter Verse 6 to 7 again. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Amen. So this Melchizedek word is very important when we are talking about establishing the priestly ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. I have, I have six minutes. I, I wouldn't want to rush this. Next week, do you know what we are going to do? We are going to look at the first priest of the Bible. That's Aaron. The first earthly priest, not the first priest. The first priest of the Bible is Melchizedek, Genesis chapter 14. 
the first earthly priest is Aaron. I want us to learn some things from Aaron. That's from Exodus chapters 28 to 30. Because if we are going to talk about the Old Testament high priest, we will never finish. I just want to deal with it very concisely so that we can draw some parallels between that and then the priestly ministry of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I, I want to believe next week I'll finish. Amen. Because next week I also want us to look at when we talk about Jesus being a high priest in our lives, what functions are, are, um, um, what function is he being involved in or what functions is Jesus doing in our life? What, what, what roles is he playing in our life? I think we need to look at all that so that we'll be able to tie up the loose ends very well. Amen. So that that's it for now. It's it's four minutes to eight o'clock, so I think I'll stop here. Amen. Who has any question or contribution? Do we all understand tonight's service? Okay, great. So in your own words, what did you take home tonight? In your own words. I think I would like to hear from everybody. What did you take home? How did you understand what we said tonight? What was your understanding? What was your take home? What ministered to you? What was God speaking to you through this message? I'd like to hear from all of you. Jesus is, has and will always be my high priest, no matter what. He's always my high priest. So not a man, not a, not a building, not a nothing. It's just him. He, he was back then, he is now, and he will continue to be. That's why I took home. Amen. Go on. I love that. I love that. Okay, Shaquana has written, Jesus is the high priest now and forever. I think she has a problem with her audio, so she, she can't contribute, so she just puts in the chat box, Jesus is the high priest now and forever. Amen. Okay, who else? Um, one of the things that I mentioned was that um, just like the high priest um, was in charge of the sanctuary, our body, which is also now the dwelling place of God, has become um, the sanctuary for our high priest, who is Jesus Christ. That was very insightful. Amen. Amen. So when we are talking about Jesus is now the minister of the true sanctuary. Don't think of a tent. Don't think of a tabernacle. Even though those words are used. That, that's why, for some reason, when I read this scripture, I kind of was really felt for the Jewish people. Because Hebrews is written to Jewish believers. And if you look at the background of the book of Hebrews, 
This book was written to encourage Jewish believers, hold on to this truth. Hold on. Because quite honestly, at the, point, at the time when this book was written, many Jewish believers were backsliding. And why were they backsliding? They were backsliding because of much persecution from the Jewish brethren. So many of them could not hold on to their faith. That's why you read in scripture in Hebrews, that's why I said that any man who draws his hand from the plow is unfit for the kingdom. Because that was what was happening. People were leaving the faith in droves. This was not written to Gentiles. This was just written to Jewish believers who were struggling to hold on. And that's why the author who wrote this had a very strong apologetic stance in chapter 1. He said, okay, there are angels, but there is Christ. There is the tabernacle, but there is the true new tabernacle, that of which we will partake of. There is the old covenant, but I'm telling you, there is something better that supersedes that which is the new covenant. So, you see that chapter one, it, it tries to make comparison and contrast with all those things. For, for this reason, hold on to what you have been called on to. So, the book of Hebrews is more of an encouragement and an admonition to the Jewish believers to hold on. Irrespective of the adverse attack, hold on to your faith. Don't let go. Don't slide and don't go back to Judaism. So, that's why the whole book of Hebrews is written. So, for the book of Hebrews. So, uh, I will advise you, you could even read the book of Hebrews on your own. And when you read it, you, you'll be very blessed. Amen. It, it's powerful. So, thank you all. God bless all of you for your contribution. Amen. Let, let me ask this question. So, with what we've learned today, can a man be a high priest? Um, in this dispensation? Yes. Um, no, I don't think so. Very good. No man can ever be called the title of a high priest. You can be called a priest, but not a high priest. There is a difference between a high priest and a priest. Next week. Good night, guys. Father, thank you for your word. May we sleep with this assurance knowing that you are a high priest forever and ever according to the order of Melchizedek. We believe the scriptures. Thank you, King of Righteousness. Thank you, King of Peace, who is our high priest. We thank you that you are presently ruling and reigning in our lives as our high priest. We love you, dear Lord, for this. Amen. See you on Saturday. We are praying. So please, everybody, make it a point to be at Saturday morning prayer meeting. It's going to be powerful. We are going to be praying about passion. Amen. It's going to be our month of passion. I look forward to seeing all of you there. Take care. Bye. God bless you guys.